I may sound a little bit different tonight. Don't worry about it. I feel fine. I sound worse because when the norther came in, all the trees from Colorado fell on my house. Okay. And so I am still moving through that. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, so don't worry about me. I'm fine. Uh, just going to sound a little bit different tonight. It's good to be with you tonight. Uh, I see that there's a whole bunch of people in here that have come back again for part three who want to build the spiritual walls of this nation the proper way. You want to get them fixed, you want to rebuild them, and we're going to get into part three tonight. Part three is really about speaking to what I see and what the Lord has revealed to me is one of the major reasons that we are not doing what I preached in part one and part two. It's what's keeping us from rebuilding the spiritual walls of this nation. So that's what we're going to get into. I've made it real clear that I was in the process of building a canvas sermon that I call it of Nehemiah where I was going to go through the whole book and spend quite a bit of time on it in a series on Sunday mornings and God called an audible Holy Spirit spoke and said God is changing your direction Nehemiah will become a backdrop God's going to just reveal certain scriptures to you he's going to speak to you about what's on his heart he needs his church to understand about fixing the spiritual walls of this nation if we want to see things really change. And that first thing was that it's the church's responsibility to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation. It starts with us. I stated also, and I will continue to state, and we'll state it again next week, that I firmly believe that God will extend his grace once more in this nation. And we will see the spiritual walls of this nation fixed. If, in part one, if we earnestly repent as the church. And that we earnestly repent in behalf of the entire church. And then there's that next step, stepping into the gap and repenting in behalf of this nation and the things that we've done. Also, that we earnestly pray. You know, earnest prayer is different than just going into your prayer room and coming out 30 minutes later as I stated in part one, when was the last time that something happened in this nation and it stopped you in your tracks and you prayed all night? You know, there's times the Holy Spirit asks me, when was the last time you pulled an all-nighter? That's earnest prayer. That's getting down in there and really praying through. But also, we've got to have earnest humility. We've got to walk in humility before God. But we've got to add the other piece that we miss many times. We've got to walk in humility before each other. See, we, we always quote the verse about they'll know us by our love towards one another. Well, how are you going to get there? You're going to have to walk humbly before each other. And that's important. And that's how we're going to help fix the spiritual walls of this nation is through that. So in part one, it's about earnest repentance, earnest prayer, walking in humility. And I put in parentheses, we got to get back to the power and understanding of fasting. And then in part two, I talked about the other piece to fixing the spiritual walls of this nation. As a church, we've got to quit being silent. We have got to defend the gospel, and we've got to speak the gospel. I made it clear what preaching is defined. It's not being loud. It's not shouting. It, it can be. You define preaching is that it's the release of the good news gospel. So if you're a very quiet person, 
and you have a very calm demeanor and you share the gospel, you're preaching because you're putting out truth. So you're preaching the gospel. So we've got to preach it that you share the gospel, you share the truth. I like to say, tell people your Jesus story. And then they'll start asking questions and then you can teach them and disciple them and help them along. But it's about defending the gospel and it's about speaking the gospel. Now tonight I'm going to ask you to stand once again as we're going to read our first opening verse to where we are going tonight, the journey we're going on. I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor the word of God tonight in Nehemiah chapter 4 and I'm going to read verse 1 only. Now, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. Let us pray. Father, we come to you tonight, and we humbly submit ourselves before you. We shake off the day, and we bind up all distractions in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that's present right now to begin to move to open our eyes, to open our ears, to open our hearts to your truth and what you want us to understand in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, he says, it says here that they jeered at the Jews. What's coming right now is just free. This isn't the whole, wholeness of where we're really going, but this is just too good to pass up. The word jeer here means to make rude, mocking re- remarks, typically in a loud voice. This is from the Oxford Languages Dictionary. Here's the truth. I've been vocal in a lot of arenas, public arenas, places where you were kind of alone. And I really can't remember, it's been so long, the last time somebody got up in my face like Sam Ballot did and began to mock me and jeer me and say things to me and put me down verbally. Mostly it happens through keyboards, right? You don't see them, you don't know them, it's just a keyboard going away. Here's a truth that I want you to get a hold of. The deceiver, Satan, is mocking. He's speaking rudely in a loud voice, but where it's happening is in our mind. And we're letting the enemy distract us from the call to rebuild the spiritual walls. We're letting the enemy scream at us that if you do this, someone's going to make fun of you. If you do this, your boss is going to fire you. Come on. You don't know that at all. But the enemy will get you to believe that. And he'll begin to mock your thoughts and your ideas and your plans to defend the gospel, speak the gospel, pray earnestly for your company that you're in because you want the gospel to penetrate it where you work. And it goes on and on and on. But here's the reality. Most people that I meet and talk to don't really have people on a regular basis get in their face. But what they do have on a regular basis is is a deceiver, an enemy, Satan, who is screaming at them and yelling at them and jeering at them in their minds. And so we're going to need to do exactly what Scripture says. We need to cast those thoughts down and get busy doing what God's called us to do. Now, Nehemiah is facing this. He can see them. They're speaking loudly. 
But most of that is happening in our mind, and we need to put a stop to it. Amen? We need to do that. Okay, Holy Spirit wants me to share something. Not a part of the message. Here we go. I'm going to share something personal for a reason, because of what I just said. Every morning when I wake up, before I ever get out of the bed, an established way of life, before I get out of the bed, the first thing I do is I begin to worship and praise God. I'm not even out of bed yet. And the way, and you don't want to wake Rochelle up, so I've got to be really careful here, okay? And so I'm worshiping God, but the next thing that comes out of my mouth after the worship is I begin to take authority over thoughts in advance. Are you with me? And begin to cast down any assignments that may come my way. And then the next thing I do is, is I tell the Lord, I, I tell the Lord, I said, Lord, now I'm going to submit myself fully to the Holy Spirit. And before my feet hit the ground, I come out of this bed and they touch the carpet in our bedroom that I am going to let you guide the rest of my day. I have an agenda. I have plans. I've got things I need to do. But I, if you want to interrupt all of that, you go right ahead because this is all about you. Man, when you start talking and speaking like that and talking to God, the enemy don't want to hear that. But I'll tell you what happens He'll come really quickly if you let him, and he'll start telling you, you shouldn't even do that. You shouldn't go in that direction. God's going to put you in something that's going to embarrass you. Stick with your agenda. No, we need to be a part of God's agenda. Amen? Now, verse 2. No, that was free. Verse 2. And he said, in the presence of his brothers, this is Sanballat, in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? This is the enemy screaming. Are you hearing me? The enemy's be telling you, what do you think you're doing? Do you really think the church of America can get these walls rebuilt? Yes, I do. But the enemy's going to try to tell you this is a feeble attempt to fix something that can't be fixed. That's what the deceiver is going to want to say. Listen carefully to what he's saying because this is, these, are the, these are the words of the enemy. Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burnt ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, this is important, this statement that he made because of where we're going tonight. Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, it will break down and their stone wall. It will break down. The stone wall will break down. Some translators say the stone wall will fall. If a fox gets on it. Now, why did he say if a fox gets on it? Number one, foxes were numerous at that time. And so he's using it because people were seeing them all the time. And, and foxes are small. Now, I've seen some up in Wisconsin that I thought were something else. They were big foxes. Everything was bigger in Wisconsin. Deer, everything up there. Foxes. Why would he use fox? What he was stating was that you will never get the wall high enough that a fox can't jump up on it. You're not going to get there. You're not going to get this wall built. You're not going to get it high enough to keep a fox off of it. A fox can jump up on it. Not only that, he's using the fox and stating that not only that, you're not even going to build this wall properly in the way it needs to be built. That when a fox walks on it, it'll crumble because it's not built right. What are those? That's words of discouragement. 
Words of discouragement are distractions from the call to build the wall. He's trying to get them to quit before they fully get started. You're not going to be able to do this. You're just not going to be able to do this. I run into people all the time say, what's it matter that we do anything? It's not going to change anything. That's what we don't need to hear in the church. What we need to hear in the church is, my God is bigger, he's greater, and he's going to use his body to bring changes. And we're going to build a wall that the fox can't get up on top of, unless you take him up there. But that's why he said that. He's making a declaration, you're never going to get this fixed. You're never going to get this built. And a fox's weight will cause it to crumble. What he is doing is trying to distract them from the work. And in part three, where we are going to journey tonight, the reason that part one is not happening, the reason part two is not happening, in part is because people are not doing it. But another part is we are too distracted to recognize what we're supposed to be doing. Distractions are keeping us from earnestly repenting, earnestly praying, earnestly walking in humility, defending the gospel and speaking the gospel because we're too distracted to have time for that. Anybody with me so far? And we're so distracted that we're not building kingdom walls because we're too distracted. We're building a lot of walls, but what walls are we building? Through just, It's distractions. God wants us to understand if we're going to rebuild fix the spiritual walls of this nation the church has got to put their foot down and stop being distracted from the call we got to stop being distracted and we got to stop being distracted by the words of the deceiver i have a teaching on unfounded disappointment you have you ever found how often we get disappointed and at the end of it why were we disappointed And then we miss out on doing what God wants us to do. Distractions. If we're going to rebuild the spiritual walls of the nation, we've got to stop being distracted from the call. And in the book of Nehemiah, we learn that Nehemiah refused to be distracted. Now, you've got to understand, he's, he's getting opposition from inside the wall and outside the wall. I mean, all kinds of distractions. But he makes a decision, I'm not going to be distracted, we're going to build this wall. And we're going to build it so tall foxes can't get on it. And we're going to build it so strong that a fox's weight definitely is not going to cause it to crumble. Anybody ready to build a wall like that around this country spiritually? I love what Winston Churchill said. Somebody will catch this one pretty, pretty quick. You will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. we got to stay focused on the call and stop worrying about things that don't matter and, and these, these deceptive things that the enemy is trying to throw at you. You need to cast those things down. Well, you don't know this person I work 
with and the things they say to me. Let's remember, I am not dealing with flesh and blood. I am dealing with principalities and powers of darkness and rulers and dark places. And I'm not dealing with them. I'm dealing with a spiritual situation, so I need to deal with the spiritual situation. Nehemiah faced a harassing contingent. I was really hoping and when I was building that canvas of the sermon, I was going to really get in there what happened inside the wall. But listen, he was catching it from inside. He was catching it from outside. And we can all relate to that. But he made a decision, I'm not going to be distracted. Ikechiku Joseph said this, focus Focus, consolidated focus, beware of distractions. We got to be focused on the call. I got to be focused on the reality that the moment God speaks and says, I need you right now, this moment to deal with something in your life, you need to repent, then I need to repent. I need you to repent in behalf of the church. I need you to repent in behalf of this nation. And I need you to earnestly get on your knees and pray about that. Focus. I need you to be focused. Tomorrow I'm going to send you into a situation. Tomorrow I'm going two places tomorrow. I'm going to be sent out where everybody, I'm fixing to go into two things. One thing I haven't been in in, in a while and I'm kind of looking forward to what God's going to do and where he's going to sit me. There's no seating assignments. I can't wait to see what that's going to be all about. We got to be ready in a moment where God says, right now I need you to be focused on hearing me because I'm going to need you to speak my word to someone and you may have to defend it. Focus. That's building the spiritual walls of the country again. We have to decide I am a kingdom-led Christian and I am called. Okay? You say, well, I'm not called to be up here. You're called to speak the gospel, defend the gospel. You're called. What are distractions? Well, Webster says this, that it's anything that takes my attention away from something else. That's distractions. Let me say it in my own words. Distractions are meant to shift our focus from what God is instructing us to do. What is God instructing you to do? Remember, we talk a lot about in sermons, I can tell in this crowd, there's a lot of you have heard these sermons, some of you probably not, about we need to get back to our what? First love. I like to say, why don't you get back to the first instruction God gave you? (laughs) Have you done that one yet? Instead of amen, I heard a lot of oh no. We've got to get back to obeying God's instructions if we're going to rebuild the spiritual walls of this country starts in the church we must not allow ourselves to be distracted we just can't allow ourselves to be distracted from the call but let's be real honest tonight i'm very transparent about this the reality of that is very hard in the world we live in So we go back to what Joseph said, focus, 
focus, focus. It takes focus. And it takes more than five minutes in your prayer room too. I shared with you what pen truths are. When I put them down, I'm going to give you a couple of them here, but the first one is this. Important note to self. This was something I wrote to myself a long time ago. Distractions are not always blatant or obvious. There are good things that are a distraction. There are some really worthy causes that are awesome things. But if it's going to keep you from the instructions God has given you and what you're supposed to do, don't do it. Because it becomes a distraction from the original call from God. One of our great distractions is we're just too busy. Why are you too busy? Probably because we're doing a lot of things that God never intended for us to do. It was just good things. It's good to do. I'm a Christian. I just want to be there. I want to do all these things. You probably ought to ask God, said, how much of this stuff is not of you and what do I need to do differently? Yeah, but what will people say if I don't do that? It's not about what people say. It's what God is saying to you. It's what God is saying to you. Okay, I'm just going to say it. You ready? As Christians, we're not here to win a popularity contest. I'm here to do the will of the Father, period. That's what I'm here for. And I know all the I buts, I know. I've said them myself. But we gotta make a choice. I'm tired of the condition of our country. Anybody else? We gotta make a choice. It's a choice. The other pin truth is this, and it's what I wanna get to. Carnal things of this world are the primary distractions by far the church faces. Let me say that a little differently. Carnal desires of the world are the primary distractions by far the church faces. Anybody disagree? Be honest. It is probably the number one distraction. Carnal desires. When you got up this morning, you were slammed in a world that is convincing you that it's your desires that come first. Correct? And that's what you need to do. You need to chase your desires and your desires only. You know what? My father wants to give you all the desires of your heart. But my father also said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. We, miss, we forget about that verse. And why do we forget about that verse? Because it's not seeker friendly. It's a verse of responsibility. It's a verse of responsibility. Let me define carnal from the Holman Bible Dictionary. Anything related to the fleshly are worldly appetites and desires rather than to the godly and spiritual desires. I like to say it this way. 
And I have it in my journals, and I have it on my phone. It goes off, tell, reminds me. We need to take inventory regularly what our desires are and make sure they're in line with the Father. Amen? Get them in line with the Father, and they'll probably start coming more quickly because you're obeying God, and God is blessing you because you're seeking first the kingdom of God. And God is an honest God, an honorable God. He's a faithful God, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll add all these other things to you. Are we seeking first the kingdom of God? We need to take inventory of our desires. Where are they? What are they really? The other thing I like to do is, is when I'm taking inventory of my desires, how much of the enemy's voice have I allowed him to distract me in a direction, in a desire that's taking me away from what God has instructed me to do? Do I have desires that are taking me away from what the call is? What the call is? What is God telling you to do? Getting back to that first instruction. Paul and John warned the first century church about not being distracted. Let's read what they said. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Stop. We know the rest of the verse tells us to be transformed. I've got it all in there. But we need to stop right there and ask the question, am I conforming to some of the customs of the world? Has the deceiver convinced me that it's okay? And that God really doesn't care. God cares if it's got you off task. God cares if it's moving you away from the center line with him. God cares. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I stated last week, made it clear that the Bible should be our number one read. All of you authors out there, I'm not against you. Yeah, I'll read your book at some point probably. I've had four or five people give me their book, and they said, have you read my book? And I said, no, it's in the stack of eight. I'm going down through them. But I never put a book above the Bible. Anybody with me? You've got to read the Bible if you're going to be transformed. Well, pastor, you've been doing this for 37 years. Aren't you transformed? I'm still getting there. And the more I read the word, the closer I get to being more and more transformed all the time. Amen? Stay in the word. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Whoa. You're not going to know his will if you're allowing yourself to be regularly distracted. From the instructions. And this series is a call to the church with instructions on what we're supposed to do. And you know why God's doing this? Because He loves Turning Point Church. And I do too. 
I care about every person in this room, and I don't even know you, but I care about you. Oh, you couldn't do that. Oh, yes, I can. I love people. How about you? All kinds of people. I shared this once before about what my life goals are from here that I want my children hopefully will say about me at the end of my life. And two of them at the bottom of my list. Number four and number five is that he loved well, but he forgave even better. A big part of fixing the spiritual walls of this nation is we got to walk in the kind of love that forgives well. Amen? It's a big part of it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. You'd almost thought he wrote that in the 21st century, wouldn't you? Verse 17 is the key verse, though. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Abides forever. Abides forever. What is the key? Doing what? The will of God. It's important. What is God telling us to do? What is he saying his will is for building the spiritual walls of this nation? We have got to earnestly repent. We have got to earnestly pray. We have got to earnestly walk in humility. We have got to defend the gospel and we've got to speak the gospel. And we've got to stop letting the deceiver distract us from the call. Another pen truth. I'm going to explain why I penned this a long time ago. It's been several years. Some absolute craziness can sometimes go on in our heads. Okay, so none of you ever have that happen, just me. You know what some of that craziness is? I don't have to do what God is saying. I don't have to be committed today. There's plenty of Christians who are sold out. It won't hurt if I bail out for a few days. That's craziness. Because the enemy is hoping you will do that. And before you know it, you have drifted so far outside the box and you're in that you don't even realize that you're sitting in the chair. You're sitting here right now, but you're way outside the box. Because you've allowed the enemy to speak nonsense and you accepted it and now you're distracted and now you're away from the call that make sense craziness we know the truth <laughs> but we deny the truth what scripture says we deny it by what our life and our actions and it's obvious we think we've hidden it all from everybody but we haven't. The carnal world caters to your fleshly desires. Anybody disagree with that one? It does. Billions, not millions, billions are spent to touch your desires. And don't think that the enemy is not using those billions trying to get you off center so that you don't obey God and fulfill the call. 
to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation. We got to be laser focused and pay attention to everything we see, everything we hear, and everything that comes into my mind. We got to be laser focused. James 1.14 says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Away from what? God's will for our lives. Our own desires. Women, you're going to love me here in just a moment before I'm about to say. I'm not on the bandwagon with it's all Eve's fault. He was standing there listening. Come on. He wanted it too. But he's going to let her take the fall. <laughs> okay, so theologians may slap me over that one. But hey, I'm just giving you my version. You know, he's standing there. He could have said something. See, our evil desires of our flesh wants what? Wants stuff. Power, authority, recognition. You name it. Success. But is all of that all good? I'm not saying it's not. It may be perfectly good for you, but if it's taking you away from the call, then it's not good. Does that make sense? You hear what I'm saying? And it comes down to an individual, okay? My father speaks to us personally, but he also talks to us as a community of faith and what he needs for us to do. Here's the question. Will we do what's necessary in our personal life to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation? Or will we choose to be distracted? Now, let me touch something. Many times, people allow themselves to be distracted because they don't want to do what God is saying. Not a good place to be. As a young boy, my dad was a hard taskmaster. I mean, hard taskmaster. <laughs> and I was always looking for excuses to get out of anything he had planned. Looking for excuses. But I began to learn that if I would just not do that and just go ahead and go with it, life turned out a whole lot better by the end of the day. Okay, I'm just preaching to myself on that one. So anyway, obey God. Stop the excuses. Because excuses begin to grow into distractions and take us away from what God wants us to do. Are we going to choose to be distracted by carnal desires? Or are we going to make a decision that I'm going to do what's necessary to seal up my relationship with the Father, plug the holes, and get busy doing His will. And it takes us all the way back to chapter 1 when we're talking about distractions. Guess what? Is there now a season in which we need to repent for allowing the deceiver to distract us? Let's get, let's get down to it. We allow it to happen. We allow it. Because the Bible tells me I have authority over him, right? 
We have authority over him? Do you believe that or not believe that? Do you have authority over him? So we're allowing it, correct? We're allowing it. And we got to stop it. When you talk about repentance, earnest prayer, walking in humility, if I was going to put one word on top of that to define all of that, it's one word and it's called submission to God the Father. Submission to God the Father. Philippians 4, 8 and verse 9 says this. It's one of my favorite verses of scripture, but I'm going to land somewhere because of something that happened this morning, early this morning when I met with someone. Chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. You know, you, have, you ought to plaster this somewhere where you remind yourself of what it is we're supposed to do. If you're having trouble with being distracted and staying on point, this is a great verse to, to begin to speak regularly. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Do we come and hear the word and then just go on with our life? Or are we making any effort to take what I've heard and put it into practice? What scripture tells me to do. Long before I was a pastor, long before I was on staff in a church, I got tired of hearing, well, I don't know, I just couldn't receive anything from them. That just didn't feed me. And I would think, you weren't listening. <laughs> I found a nugget in all of that. And I need to respond to that. I need to put that into practice. Are we listening to whose voice? The Father's voice. Verse 9, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. When will the God of peace be with you? It was all stated above, correct? I sat with a man this morning who was losing his peace, who needed to reestablish how he was going to live his life per this verse. So he could have what? The God of peace. Overruling what he was going through. If you obey the word of God right here, this one verse. What you're going through right now. And some of you may be going through something really major. And don't, don't let the enemy deceive you right now. And say, well, I've heard all this before. No, you got to put it into practice. Believe the word. Put the word into practice. And the God of peace will overshadow you and rule over you and wipe that thing to a point to where nobody's going to understand. It's still crazy around you, but they don't understand why you are at peace. Because what? You're putting 
into practice truth. And not letting the deceiver lie to you that it doesn't work. Because God will not be mocked and God is not a liar. Let me share my final statement with you and then I'm going to unpack what the Holy Spirit spoke to me late this afternoon. When the church, you and I, are called to rebuild the spiritual walls of the nation, we collectively don't have time to allow distractions to remove us from the rebuilding. Amen? I'm just telling you, we don't have time right now. We just don't have time to continue to do what we've been doing. Because guess what? We're getting the same results, right? Time for change. Suppose we take our responsibility to rebuild seriously. In that case, we must learn to remain undistracted, to wholeheartedly focus our attention on the call that matters most in the season and time we are living in now. Johnny's going to come and close the service in just a little bit. But here's the call of the Holy Spirit to everybody that's in this room right now. I've been talking about distractions and staying on point with the instructions God is giving you. Now, he's giving to us as a community of faith instructions about rebuilding the spiritual walls. But you also got to tap into what has God been instructing you to do that you haven't done. Because you've let the enemy jeer at you and convince you that that's a stupid thing to do or that's going to cost you too much or it's going to put you out there too much. Or hey, Here's sometimes, we're not afraid of being attacked. What it is, it's just, it's just going to take too much time of my time. Don't you understand? I've got to have at least five hours in my recliner. Sometimes it's just, We are so selfish. We don't do what God tells us to do. Can we say that? Sometimes we're just so selfish, we don't do what God tells us to do. So maybe it's coming back to what God has been instructing you to do you haven't done. So as he begins to play, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to move in here. And this becomes a moment that is very, very impersonal for you. You can come to the altar area. You can just sit like you are. You can get down on your knees around your chair. But over the next few moments, and until Johnny feels a release from the Holy Spirit, seek God's voice for what it is that you need to repent of concerning distractions and maybe an instruction he's given you that you haven't obeyed. And commit to the Father afresh tonight that you're going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and watch him add things to you you never even thought possible. And that you're going to commit to the Father, I'm going to not just hear the word, I'm going to put it into practice and do the word. Amen. Let's get before God and seek his face.